Why are people even going vegan if um, they're going to be nutrient deficient? And there's a way to live this lifestyle and not be nutrient deficient. That is possible, but it requires a lot of diligence. It requires a lot of knowledge. And the fact is not everyone is going vegan for health reasons. A lot of people experience health benefits as a consequence of going vegan for ethical or environmental motivations. Um, and so we, we really want to support people wherever they're at in their plant-based journey. Because frankly, a lot of people don't want to worry about getting all the nutrients met. Kia ora, friends. Welcome back to the Vegan Body Coach podcast. It's been a little bit of time and I've been working on some some projects, some things in the works and keep myself busy, but it is always a pleasure to be back here with you on the microphone. Today is a really cool episode and I can't wait to dig in. But for new listeners, my name is Jackson Burden, your host, and I am a gym owner here in Auckland, New Zealand. I'm a personal trainer and an online nutrition and training coach. Uh, for vegans, vegetarians, and reducitarians, which is a hugely growing uh, percentage of the population, people reducing meat in their diets, and it is an awesome thing to see and to hear. So if you're one of those people, welcome. This is a place for you as well. If you're a vegan, this is also your spot um, where we dive into nutrition, training, interviewing guests who are experts in their fields, or they just have a really cool story to share Reality is, we're all humans, right? And we don't always get it right all of the time. So for many of us, we live in full, wild, and often overwhelmingly busy lives, which also means we have people and commitments and dreams pulling us in a hundred different directions all the time. And sometimes nailing daily nutrition targets and, and to ensure that we're hitting adequate nutrient intakes every day is just another thing to think about and another thing to make time for. But as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a little bit of time or following our Instagram, I'm a big believer in making your health and all of the factors that play into it a, a center role, a center part of your life. So if you're so busy that you have no time to plan at least a basic well-rounded meal, well-rounded week or day of eating, then perhaps looking at your lifestyle and addressing those factors is, you know, that's something you should be looking into to ensure that, you know, you're living a lifestyle that allows you to focus on what I will be the most important thing, which is your individual health. Uh, But I'm also very well aware that there are many situations where it's you know it's not so simple and having a safety net to ensure you're able to continue your plant-based or plant-exclusive lifestyle without running into potential deficiencies of nutrients is a simple solution. So today I'm joined by Harva Horowitz, co-founder of TerraSeed, which is a game-changing new all-in-one supplement for vegans, uh, which I came across recently and absolutely loved. So we're going to break down how TerraSeed started, why vegans should potentially consider supplementation, uh, and we break down in detail the exact formula of nine essential ingredients, um, why they're included, and how they benefit your health. So if you want to learn a little, bit, a little bit more about vitamins, minerals, and what our bodies actually need to function optimally, this is the episode for you. So with all that being said, 
let's dive into it. This is episode 29 with Harva Horowitz from Terraseed. You are listening to the Vegan Body Coach Podcast, all about optimizing your strength, fitness, and physique through a plant-focused diet. My name is Jackson Burton, and I'm a nutrition and training coach for vegans, the plant-centric, and plant-curious. I'm sitting down with athletes, experts, and influencers around the world to inspire you to create your best vegan body yet. Okay, so Harva, welcome to the Vegan Body Coach Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jackson. It is a pleasure. So I think uh, today I would love to dive into Terraseed and what it's all about and, and these, this amazing product you guys are bringing to the market. But I guess to kick this thing off, I'd love to hear a little bit of background about you and how you actually wound up in this whole area of developing a, a vitamin company. Um, so would you be able to give us a bit of a backstory on yeah, how that whole thing came into place um, and how you found yourself where you are now? Absolutely. Um, so I went vegan about four years ago now. Um, after I traveled to the Amazon, the Peruvian Amazon, um, and later when I returned, learned that the Amazon was being basically burned to the ground um, to make room for cattle farming. And at that moment, I basically decided I could no longer support this industry that is burning down this natural ecosystem that's so important to both me personally and also to our, our planet. And after watching a few documentaries, learning a little bit of the ropes, went vegan. And honestly, Jackson didn't didn't feel that great uh, after a bit of time. So I started taking all these different supplements and it was really, really frustrating um, because being vegan is hard enough. It didn't feel like also having to get my nutritional needs met should be such a challenge. And not to mention, I was accumulating all of this plastic waste uh, from all of these pill bottles that I was accumulating. And you know, I had gone vegan for the environment didn't exactly right. make me feel like I, I was supporting my cause by accumulating all of this plastic every single month. Um, and so it dawned on me one day, gosh, is there something that's all in one specifically designed for my vegan diet that I can get everything I need without having to worry about getting my nutritional needs met? And that wasn't packaged in plastic. At the time, there was absolutely nothing, no multivitamins specifically designed for vegans and definitely nothing um, packaged in compostable packaging or non-plastic packaging. And so at that very moment, I decided, you know what, I guess I have to create this myself. I felt just this immediate calling wow. and I didn't, I didn't sleep on it. Uh, it was just, okay, well, I guess now I am called to make vitamins and I learned everything about that. Wow. Um, you know, it, it, it took a lot of persistence um, and especially developing our, our fully compostable packaging solution, which really had never been done in this industry before, um, was a true labor of love. And so that's how it came to be. Um, mm. You know, we recruited a, a team of, of leading scientists and experts in plant-based nutrition. That's not my background personally is in science or nutrition. In fact, I wanted this product because I didn't want to think about nutrition. That's the, that's the honest truth. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so that's where my story comes from. Wow, I love that. So 
I get, yeah, I'd love to dive into the packaging and, and the compostable aspect um, a little later as well because I think that is something so unique um, to to vitamins in general. Because yeah, when you buy vitamins you, without realizing it, you're just contributing to to more plastic waste, and and it's something that I've been trying to challenge myself on a lot more recently yes. as well. Is like you know, cool, I did that step to veganism years ago, but I haven't made that step to reducing my my waste. And that is kind of just a natural progression that I think just lines up perfectly with this whole lifestyle and this philosophy. Um, mm. So I definitely mm. do want to dive into that as well. So mm. what was the mm. um, original background? Like what background do you have originally, Harbour? And then, and then so you, like you said, it's not in nutrition or, or science or anything like that. Mm. What were you doing originally? And, and obviously this must have been a bit of a shift for you. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a huge shift. My background is in digital products, specifically products for the wellness industry. Um, I was working at a company called Gaia um, working. Have you heard of Gaia? It makes meditation, yeah. yoga, um, sort of yogic philosophy, uh, transformational content. Um, so working there, uh, building their digital platform and, and my background is also, um, in technology, sort of philosophy, coding and, and building great products, but I had never built a physical product before, just, cool. just digital products. Um, but we've been, what's so interesting about this industry is it's been the same for the past 60 years. The supplement industry is a $54 billion market and it's barely moved an inch in the past 60 years. Uh, wow. it's, it's very resistant to innovation, very resistant to change. And so being, having my background in tech, um, where there's a much faster cycle of innovation, uh, applying that same methodology, the, those same ways of thinking to a physical product of how can we move this industry forward? How can we test, learn, and innovate in a much faster cycle to understand our customers and get them the product that they really, they really want and need and will benefit their lives. Yeah. I think the, the supplement industry in general is it's so much of the stuff that I see coming out is just so disappointing because it just dupes people into buying products that are creating a problem for you. And now you're like, Oh, I need this product to solve the problem. But in, in yes. reality, you didn't have a problem in the first place. Um, right. It's just, you know, Hey, let's create a product. Let's chuck it on one of these television shows and get some like, you know, fancy celebrity doctor to promote it and then right. everyone will buy it. And it's like, well, people didn't need this in the first place. So right. I guess with Tiracid, I guess let's outline what Tiracid is and then maybe um, why do you think this is actually a product that people need and and what is the solution that we're trying to solve with a, a product like Tiracid? Yeah, so just to give a little bit of a high-level overview of, of what Terraseed is, um, yeah. Terraseed is a all-in-one multivitamin specifically designed for vegan diets, um, packaged in the first fully compostable pill bottle. Um, we've carefully crafted and engineered every single element of our, of our packaging to be both secure and durable, as well as completely compostable. Um, let me just get up with a nice little bottle here that I can show to the camera. Um, and our yeah. formulations feature the nine key nutrients that, that vegans need most, um, starting with our, our key nutrient of omega-3 uh, sourced from algae oil. Then we have our D3 from lichen, our B12, um, iron, iodine, zinc, and magnesium. Um, and, you know, this industry, one other interesting facet about 
the intersection of veganism and, and the supplement industry is the supplement industry kills over a billion animals a year in the U.S. alone. Um, a single fish oil capsule is kills 32 fish. So that means 2,000 fish are killed in a bottle of omega-3s from uh, fish oil. And we're really trying to create not only a more sustainable, but also a, a more ethical landscape for, for this industry. And I could go on and on and on about other things I've learned um, related to animal cruelty and, yeah. and this industry. Um, but it's something that I think we, you know, we think of leather as, as being a, a cruel product or we think of dairy, but most people don't think of supplements as, you know, being sources of animal yeah. cruelty. Yeah, I, I never thought about that myself, to be honest. So maybe that's something we can dive into maybe on another episode or something like that, because I think I'd yeah. be very interested to maybe bring some light to that for people as well. Um, Absolutely. I would, I, I, Harvard, I want to backtrack a little bit. You talked a little bit before about your um, experiences when you did transition to veganism because you did it purely for environmental purposes and and you know, I, I see that a lot with people as it is a lot of the time it's an ethical stand or it's an environmental stand, but there isn't the same attention to health. And these days, a lot more information going on around how to transition to a, a vegan diet. But I think for a lot of people, if they just cut everything out and then just start eating plants, it, it, maybe there needs to be a little bit of a learning curve there, a little bit of a foundational knowledge. Yes. And just yes. like when you grow up eating an omnivorous diet, or, um, you know, you're basically born into this carnistic mentality and, and this also relates to carnistic nutrition. So you're taught how to eat with a carnistic uh, bias, right? Which means you're taught how to get your nutrients from meat, eggs, and dairy and, and fish. Um, so when you transition to a plant-based diet, you also need to have new mm. information and new um, education around how to eat for nutritional adequacy for a plant-based diet. So Absolutely. you talked about you weren't feeling so good. So how did you experience the transition and, mm. you know, what was the, the issues you were seeing in terms of your health, mm. which kind of led you down this route? Mm. Yes. Thank you for bringing that back up. Um, yeah, I was feeling really tired. Um, I was feeling low energy. I was feeling like my body was, was missing something. Um, and definitely did research around what are the typical nutrients that vegans are missing. Um, B12 is a very common one. Um, D3, omega-3s are, are the star three, um, and as well as, you know, the host of, a host of others. Um, and 92% of vegans, unfortunately, are nutrient deficient in, in B12, um, and, you know, iron deficiency is very prevalent amongst um, vegans um, and all of the nutrients that we have in our formula are shown to have more prevalence um, among vegan diets to, uh, for deficiency. And, and of course, the vegan diet is beneficial in so many ways. And so we're, we're walking a fine mm. line here. Um, of both wanting people to live the healthiest lives um, while also wanting to educate people on um, how to make that vegan life 
even healthier. Um, and it's, and it's a, it's a, mm. it's a fine line, of course. Um, and the truth is 92% of human adults are nutrient deficient. And I think that's where the messaging gets complicated. Um, is that yes, vegans are deficient in certain key nutrients, but they're also abundant, um, in certain key nutrients and, uh, more so than the average, um, adult human pop- populations. Um, and so it's, it's, we, when we get, when we get criticism from sort of the non-vegans, it's like, why are people even going vegan if, um, they're going to be nutrient deficient and there's a way to Mm. live this lifestyle and not be nutrient deficient. That is possible, but it requires a lot of diligence. It requires a lot of knowledge. And the fact is not everyone is going vegan for health reasons. A lot of people experience health benefits as a consequence of going vegan for ethical or Mm. environmental motivations. Um, And so we we really want to support people wherever they're at in their plant-based journey because, frankly, a lot of people don't want to worry about getting all their nutrients met. You know, there's there other important things to to do with their lives, like save our planet, you know, by making making this difficult, Mm. not always easy decision to to go vegan. And and so we support them um, in that way. And and not to mention nutrient deficiency is something that as a society, we're going to have to grow more and more aware of and keep our eyes more and more open to as with soil depletion, um, overpopulation, climate change is putting our food systems at risk. And these issues aren't going away. Um, These are issues that, you know, Mm. we need to be future thinking about how we can build a society where everyone has access to getting the nutrients that they need to live their best lives. And often the the argument is, yeah, I'm um, why why would I go vegan when I have to supplement with all these you know these extra nutrients? And it's like for the majority of omnivores, they're already supplementing so many things anyway. Like you know, even before I was vegan, I was you know taking an omega three and I was taking a multivitamin and and all these things that I was told I should be taking. And it's like, well, so most people are probably supplementing anyway likely because their diet is so poor in the first place. Um, but, you know, there's no – like the burden of burden of proof is on the vegan. You know, you have to right. prove that your diet is adequate. It's not right. on the omnivore. The omnivore is just right. like um, expected to have an amazing diet regardless right. of that diet's composition. So I right. would, you know, I would argue that an omnivore would benefit from the supplement just as much as a vegan, to be honest. Absolutely. A lot of omnivores are deficient in the same things. 80% mm. of US Americans supplement. Mm. There you go. 70% yeah. I mean, take a multivitamin. A yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and, you know, and that just speaks volumes to the, the types of foods we are eating. Absolutely. And you see, you know, in a lot of these vegan documentaries, I've seen them be pretty anti-supplement. Right. Which is which I understand because, like you're saying, there's sort of this um, burden of proof on the vegan to be showing how healthy their diet is compared to a non-vegan. But, you know, the soil depletion is an issue that affects all of us, vegans and non-vegans. And I think it can be pretty dangerous to be advocating a a non-supplementing vegan diet, especially to people who 
are new at this lifestyle and don't don't have that routine of of making sure they're eating a balanced diet with with everything in it. Um, and so, you know, I think yeah. there's nothing wrong with making your life easier. I think we demonize, yeah. you know, living, making things easier. It's like if you, if a supplement is going to make your life easier, then go for it. <laughs> go for it. Why not? You know, what, yeah. there's a lot of pride, I think. And, and we don't get that a lot. But I think there's this, yeah. this sort of perception of well, vegan, you're supplementing. Isn't your diet good enough? No, I agree. I think it also, you know, like you're saying, it's it's like it's just making things easier for yourself and for a lot of people that just don't have either the cognitive bandwidth or the time or the energy or the access to foods to create this incredible well-planned diet. And I think for a lot of people, especially that I work with client-wise is, is how can we structure your diet to be as optimal as possible, but as simple as possible so you don't have to think so much yes. about it, right? And yep. for a lot of them, we can we can try and get majority of their nutrients from their food. Totally cool. But then for others, you know, they might be located in a different area of the world that might be really a struggle to get certain nutrients. Um, they might not um, just have the time to be able to invest into cooking all these different foods and things like this. And a supplement like this, I would see is just like the safety net, right? It's just like someone would take a multivitamin as a safety net. This is this is a safety net. It's covering all your bases as a vegan. And personally, when I saw this product. Someone tagged me on Instagram and they said, hey, I've been taking this oh. product. And I went and looked at it and I was like, oh, damn, this is the product like we've been waiting for. Like this is what we need to be implementing. I've mm. seen some products um, marketed towards plant-based eaters that are a combination of, of B12 and vitamin D and, and omegas. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I think this needs to be something that is pushed more and more and i thought this product was just incredibly well dosed and and providing all the in ingredients that a vegan would want to focus on in their diet anyway and all they need to do is i mean i think you, you'll be able to give us the breakdown of um what the dosaging is and the recommendation recommendation um intakes of the supplement of terra seed um but you know just taking that pill once a day or whatever it may be every day it's such a simple thing to do and then you yep. can still focus on a really um well-planned plant predominant diet yep. but not have to worry like oh this particular Absolutely. meal didn't have my iron or this particular yep. meal I, I didn't add my seeds so i wasn't getting my ala and like you don't have to think too much and worry too much about those aspects of the diet i guess so um Absolutely. that was just my perspective perspective of it yeah i think it's so interesting what you're saying and i think through terra seed i've been diving deeper into the psychology of habit habit formation and the psychology right. of how do we create um, systems for people to create long lasting change in their lives. Um, and you can't change people's values, but you can make things more convenient for people. Um, so you can't make people like you in your work of being a health coach you can't make people care about, you know, living a healthy life or feel like living a vegan diet will be better for them. But you can make it easier for them to live mm. a vegan diet. Um, and I think that's what, you know, Beyond Meat and, and all of these plant-based food innovations have shown us is like, you know, it's not about, you can't change people's beliefs around what's healthier, but you can make plant-based foods more convenient and more accessible and more people will mm. go vegan that way. And I think there's such a strong perception. The number one reason why 
people quit veganism is because they feel like they're not getting the nutrients they need. They don't feel good. Um, and so if we can make it more convenient to live a vegan life in a healthy way and make that easier, then why not? (laughs) Why not? You know? Um, and I feel really lucky that we've worked with some of the leading scientists and experts, um, in plant-based nutrition, um, a few of our scientists have worked at some of the biggest companies uh, in the, in the nutraceutical industry. And we're so excited that we were creating this all in one product specifically focused on this core um, consumer base. And we're pretty laser focused right now on this vegan audience. We think that there's a huge untapped market opportunity that's only going to grow. Um, And you know that better than, anyone is that this this market isn't shrinking this 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 cause is not shrinking it's it's growing and um people will want to you know it's it's really easy for us of like oh yeah we have this awesome compostable packaging solution let's address every single supplement in the market but we really want to stay focused on on our vegans on our vegan community because they're they're our best advocates and they're the ones who are really facing a big problem of so badly wanting to be devoted to their cause, devoted to their vegan lifestyle, but not always feeling good enough to uh, uh, to live their mission. Yeah, I agree, and I like what you said. Is that the the majority of people that do, uh, you know, go back to eating animal products is because of some kind of health issue, and they you know they weren't feeling great, or they had a deficiency, and they say, oh, the hell, I'm going to go back to what's comfortable and what I know. Um, but yeah, when we have a product like this, we can we can just make things so much easier for people. Yeah. I'm interested from your perspective, Harbour, have you um obviously you take the supplement yourself, have you um seen a a difference in blood work on yourself if you've had that done, or have you changed or have you found it easier to to um I guess plan your own diet now that you are taking the supplement? Is there any sort of um anecdotal um evidence you have of how the su- supplement has helped you specifically? Yeah, so um, my co-founder and CEO of TerraSeed, Maria, um, she actually got her blood work done before and after um, taking TerraSeed. And I, I don't know the exact details, but I think she was deficient yeah. in D3 and on the lower spectrum of B12. And then she, you know, we came out with this product. She actually went vegan when we came out with the product. She was like, okay. I've been facing this huge problem of, of not being able to feel like I'm getting the nutrients we, I need to go from vegetarian to full vegan. And since so she went a few months later, she came back and her blood work was, was great. Um, our, I personally uh, experienced much more energy um, than I had previously with, without TerraSeed. Um, <laughs> we've had, you know, awesome customer reviews around, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd only stop taking TerraSeed if I had to choose between TerraSeed and, and food. Um, people really feeling like this is yeah. such an important baseline and such a an convenient baseline for them to maintain mm. a level health as, as a vegan. Um, and that's been, it's, it's really so great to be focusing on this niche because you know, like, mm. this is an obsessive market. When people find a product they love, they can't wait to scream it from the rooftops. And we've really been able to develop 
personal one-on-one connections with our customers, just like you. Um, and that's been something yeah. so rewarding. It's like most people don't even know the brand names of their supplements. They're just like, what, what the hell is this? You know, they don't even have any connection yeah. to their supplements. Yes. And we're really creating a new experience, a new relationship um, with, with that supplement that's kind of establishing your baseline and is there for you daily. Um, and that's been really yeah. wonderful. I think whoever's in charge of your your branding has done an incredible job. Like when I went on the website, I was Thank like, you. yeah, this is this is done very, very well. So um I think, yeah. yeah, you can easily sort of tap into people like myself who, yeah, who would um recognize it an important product and then promote it um because we value, you know, what it does and how it can help people. Um mm. So maybe if we if we dive into the formula itself now, Harvard, I'd love to discuss that with you. Um on the website, it, it states it's the most complete formula for vegans. And so I'd love to run through these um, these nine essential ingredients that you have in TerraSeed um, and, you know, why they were included and how they are going to help vegans in their diet. Um, and, you know, there's some there's some main ones there that I would, you know, when someone, when a client comes to me, I would be like, hey, look, we're going we're gonna to supplement with B12 no matter what. Um, yep. If you are in... Uh, if you're in a colder climate or it's the winter time here in New Zealand or Australia, I would be getting them to take a, a, a D3, a vitamin D supplement anyway. Um, and then depending on the client, some of them may be supplement with omega-3s with EPA and DHA um, from algae oil. Um, and then, you know, other ones we would look at it on a case-by-case basis with iron and things like that. And and there's certain ways that I would um, structure their nutrition to ensure they are getting like iodine and and, and things like this and zinc. Um, but maybe we can run through these and, and sort of discuss, okay, why are they important for someone to have in their diet? Um, and and then looking, I've got the dosages here as well, and we can sort of run through that. Um, but yeah, so maybe we can run through um, kicking off with um, omega-3s. Yeah, so um, our omega-3s, a lot of there's a lot of omega-3 supplements that are, are vegan on the market. Most of them, are only DHA or or ALA. Um, ALA is is there's three types of um, omega three fatty acids: ALA, DHA, EPA. Um, ALA is the only one that's found in in plant foods. Um, DHA and EPA are found in uh, animal foods like fish, like eggs, um, but basically absent from plant based food sources. Um, and the conversion rate of ALA to this other forms, DHA and EPA are very low. So for vegans, they're getting very little of these DHA, EPA studies show that vegans have about 50% lower blood concentrations of, of EPA and, and DHA than omnivores. Uh, several studies show that. And, um, we have been sourcing our omega-3 from algae. What's interesting here with any sort of aquatic uh, food source is what is the impact that that, um, that harvesting has on the natural ecosystems. And even, you know, algae, which is a plant-based source of, of omega-3, even if we were to harvest that from a marine environment, that could still have residual impact on that marine ecosystem. And, and movies like, you know, the Netflix sea Seaspiracy movie is, is 
pointing this out. And so we've made sure to source our omega-3 from algae grown indoors, um, harvested indoors in, in South Carolina. And um, this omega-3 is, is so important um, for overall health, um, you know, especially EPA has been shown to benefit your overall mood, um, to help with depression. Um, it's really a building block um, for tissue in the brain. Um, mm. And omega-3s help a lot with overall uh, physical health too, healthy skin, healthy hair. Um, and, and we've made to, sure to, to, to um, have a healthy dose of omega-3, mm. DHA, and EPA in there. And um, definitely is suitable to replace your external omega-3 supplement for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's listed here as 366 milligrams, which is definitely, you know, above what I would be, you know, recommending to most clients anyway. So it's, and it's, oh, it's kind of, you know, between that sort of 250 to 500 milligrams a day of combined EPA and DHA is what I'd sort of be looking for. And, and so this is right in that ballpark, which is, which is amazing. And yeah, and there's just so many benefits to omega threes. It's one of those ones. that's just kind of a catch all supplement that's, you know, like you said, it's beneficial for brain health and cognitive function long-term into, into your, um, elderly years as well. So, you know, it's definitely one of those ones you want to be keeping mm-hmm. high in the, in the aging populations. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's a massive one. And, and I like to see that in there. And and it's one of those ones that's just like, great, that's in there. I don't have to worry about it now. I don't have to, Absolutely. you know, you can still be taking your ALA products like your your flax seeds and your, your walnuts and yep. chia and stuff like that because they have other benefits as well. There's many other nutrients in there and, and they taste great and they add flavor and texture and there's all of these benefits to that. But you don't have to like worry, oh, I haven't had my exact – two and a half tablespoons today or whatever it may be. So right. um, I like right. that. That's really cool. So I guess yeah. the next one is the, the vitamin D. Um, mm-hmm. And this one is, yeah, it's quite often, I guess for a lot of people, whether they're vegan or not, it's, it's like the biggest deficiencies in the world is in, is right. in vitamin D. And um, generally because, you know, of most people's lifestyles now is a very sedentary and indoor based lifestyle. So we're not getting that same sun exposure. And then people in you know, right. Northern hemisphere climates are just not getting the sun exposure for, you know, nine months of the year. So it seems to be one that a lot of people are deficient in and, and is recommended. Um, so in Tira seed itself, how much are we looking at within Tira seed for vitamin D? We have 250%. Um, uh, so that's 2000 IU um, of, of D3, which is a, a really solid amount. Um, really shouldn't yeah. be supplementing with more than that, unless your doctor uh, specifically recommends higher dosaging. Um, yeah. And again, just going back to the animal cruelty, uh, animal cruelty piece, um, many people don't know that D3 typically comes from lanolin, which is the wax of sheep's wool. Um, you know, most people probably don't even know that this, this lanolin is, is harvested. Um, so vegan sources of D3 are a relatively new invention, uh, in the past four or five years. Um, and ours is from, um, reindeer lichen that's wild crafted, um, from California. And we, um, make sure that 
this likened to coming back to the sustainability aspect is with harvesting of anything in a natural ecosystem, there's, there's potential for over harvesting. And so we've made sure that this lichen is only harvested from naturally fallen trees. Um, and that also we have, we, we migrate the locations of where this lichen is harvested in order to prevent um, over harvesting of any, any one location. And all these details um, are really important for us for TerraSeed. It's, it's the, Interestingly enough, our customers really care about um, where all these nutrients come from, each of these details. And it's so beautiful to think about the story uh, behind each of these nutrients, the people that went into harvesting them, the places, you know, they each carry the energy of the place they come from. And we have these nine nutrients that each hold energy of a different place, a different story. And it's so beautiful to share. What's the, um, I actually haven't looked into lichen itself. So where does it actually come from? What, what is it, how does it originate, lichen? Lichen is, is an algae-based um, edible, edible form of algae that grows on rocks or trees. If you look up lichen, you'll say, oh, I've seen that a million times. It's sort of gotcha. like a, a, a mossy-looking thing that's very flat, and it can be different colors, like white, pink, sometimes orange um and and it's a form of algae hmm. interesting great so yeah so that's a yeah a cruelty free version of getting some d3 and i know there's been vitamin d2 on the market for many years right but, um i think due to absorption issues it's yeah. not as you know bioavailable as a d3 mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's super cool. So we've got the we've got vitamin D, which is just the one that I recommend to most clients anyway to to take right. pretty much year round, unless they're you know middle of New Zealand summer and it's and they get <laughs> a stack of sun all day, yeah. which is you know, no issue. So um, over in New Zealand, it might be a little bit easier to get yeah, D three. Totally. I might have to go out there to get some D three. <laughs> yeah, just just come in the summer. I mean, the winter's not uh, as as great, but it's. The summer is a, is a good, long, hot summer, and you'll have no problem at all. Um, if we look at B12, however, it's it's one that I was um, interested to hear your perspective on because it's one of the supplements that we recommend blanketly to to clients and to people transitioning to a plant-based diet. Um, now, the recommendation for most people from what I've seen is always being a B12 in the cyanocobalamin form as opposed to the methylcobalamin form, which is in tyrosine. Um, do you have any information on the difference between the two and why tyrosine has chosen to go with methylcobalamin as opposed to cyclobalamin? Yeah. Um, the research shows that um, methylcobalamin and cyanocobalamin are almost equally um, absorbed um, but we chose methylcobalamin because it's a naturally occurring form in the body. Um, so when you dose with cyanocobalamin, you have to, that cyanocobalamin converts into methylcobalamin. And so the body has to exert energy into converting that cyanocobalamin into, into methylcobalamin. Um, 
the um, studies also show that methylcobalamin is generally retained better. So it sort of lasts longer in the body um, than cyanocobalamin. And there's also some sort of fringe research that points to cyanocobalamin um, containing small traces of cyanide, which is a toxic for the body. Other research points to um, that that body that that it's it's a negligible amount of cyanide. Mm. It won't hurt you. But for those three reasons, we decided to go with with methylcobalamin. Um, methylcobalamin is generally the considered the more high quality um, form. Right. Yeah. And it. I think. I mean, I can't actually remember which one is more common in the market, but. Um, I think up to this point, I have been taking cyanocobalamin, um, mm. but the dosaging is the same for both? That I'm not totally sure of. Um, the mm. B12 dosaging is a really interesting, well, a really nerdy kind of topic for yeah. formulators. Um, of all of the nutrients that we have in our formulation, this is probably the one that we've had most contentious opinion around what's the appropriate dosaging. Some yeah. people feel like we don't have enough. Some people feel like we have too much. Mm. Um, and what we've done is we've, you know, used the latest research in terms of B12 absorbability. B12 actually absorbs at a really low rate. So um, we've dosed the product considering you know, methylcobalamin, um, absorption in the body and, um, you know, doing our best to stay on the pulse of what's the latest in terms of this type of type of research. And the good news with B12, it's, it's really impossible to get too much, um, what you don't need your body excretes out. And so we've decided to, because we know this is such an important, um, element for vegans, they get so little of it. Uh, we've decided to go for more of a macro dose um, and also considering the low absorption that it generally has, no matter what form you use. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what people, there is a bit of confusion around when they see uh, a recommended intake of, of B12, like from an RDI or an RNI Um it's often such a low amount. Um, I'm just trying to find where I've got it listed. It's like, it's, I can't even remember what it was. It's a very low amount. It's like, let's see if I can grab it here. Yeah, like it's like 1.5 or 2 IUs or MCGs a day or something like that. Really low um, as yep. the recommended intake. But then- yep when it comes to absorption because the absorption is so yep. low you actually have to take a larger dose so i think there's some confusion around that so it's a case of yeah taking a larger dose is is going to be more beneficial for you rather than just looking at that rdi and going well that's all i need it's like no you actually need to take a larger dose because yeah the absorption is so low i think a lot of people and that's why you know it's so important to have the latest research and leading experts mm. doing this type of formulation because this this field of nutrition and and, and nutrients are, isn't static. It's constantly evolving. There's constantly more research being done, um, and there's also, of course, the bio interaction between all of these different elements and how that affects absorption. 
Um, but yeah, absolutely. At face value, you know, these sort of daily recommended values, the, I don't know what they're called in New Zealand, but I, for us, they're called the, the RDA. Um, don't mm. tell the whole story around absorption like you're like you're sharing. Mm. Yeah, cool. So that's B12, and then the next one we have in interior seed is vitamin C. Is there a specific reason we included vitamin C in this product? Yeah, we did. Um, our formulator is really um, really well versed on uh, vegan forms of collagen production and how to stimulate collagen. Um, of course, you know, collagen is a very trendy thing nowadays and a very non-vegan thing. Um, collagen comes from the connective tissue of animal food. So, you know, you see people making bone broth. That's a way that, you know, is very trendy these days of getting your collagen. Of course, as vegans, we don't do that. Um, as we age, collagen gets broken down um, at an ex- accelerated rate. And so vitamin C is for in our formulation is serving as this key nutrient uh, for for collagen production. And without vitamin C, um, collagen cannot be produced. And it's it's critical uh, for the synthesis of of, um, the building blocks of collagen. And so that's why we included it. It was specifically related to to, uh, for collagen production. Great. Cool. And... Next one we have is iodine, which is one that um, I have included in um, many of my. That's fine. Many of my clients' um, uh, recommendations is, "Hey, we're gonna get some iodine in there," um, which, as we know, is really important for um, our thyroid gland and how that actually yeah. is operating. Right, so we want to make sure that our iodine is sufficient, but for, I think for a lot of people, um, when they, you know, go into eliminating animal products is that they suddenly, if they're going for a whole food base diet, then they're going to reduce a lot of their, their packaged foods and a lot of their, um, sodium intake as a result. And iodized salt is one way for our clients to improve their iodine, um, intake. And now you've included it in, the supplement itself so less of an issue for for people to to worry about is that kind of the idea behind including iodine in this one yeah um you know all all of what you said feels aligned with with where we're approaching it um studies show that about 50 to 80 percent of vegans are iodine deficient um most common sources of iodine are are animal products fish dairy um sea sea Food. So we have sea vegetables like like seaweed, um, you know, th- those foods, um, iodized salt, uh, they have these high iodine levels. And of course, you know, it's the same thing of can you count on people to be eating their seaweed and iodized salt every single day? Maybe not. Um, and so, again, it's setting that setting that baseline, uh, considering that, you know, unless you want to supplement with, with seaweed every day, a lot of people don't have access to that nor interest. Um, there's also a lot of interesting research around how other, um, other vegetables like cabbage, cauliflower, they actually decrease iodine utilization, which is, which is something I've learned recently is, um, some of these other vegetables actually inhibit iodine, uh, from being absorbed into the body. Our iodine, I just got um, 
more information about the, the location of where our iodine is harvested and it's harvested off of Nova Scotia. Um, lo- local fishermen uh, that have been in this, you know, kelp harvesting uh, industry for, for generations. I got pictures of them. It was really, it's really exciting to see the, the stories behind these nutrients and, and seeing those fishermen harvesting our kelp. Um it was really, really cool. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah, I love the like you're saying. There's there's stories behind all the stuff, and there's there's a thought process behind um, why you've included stuff, but also how it's harvested and where it's you know how right. sustainable it is, and you know where it's coming from, which I really love. Yeah, yeah, it's really beautiful once you get to dive more and more into it. So that's iodine, real easy one, and it and it hits the the recommended intakes super easy. So. If we move on to iron, um, which is a huge one for for plant based, you know, diets, is trying to get even for non plant based diets, especially for females who are going to be losing a lot of iron through menstrual cycle and things like this, it's getting that iron to a sufficient level tends to be a and for a lot of my clients who have had blood work done, iron seems to be low on most occasions. So, mm. of course, including our high iron foods and you know our dark leafy greens and and legumes and 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 nuts and seeds cool we're getting some iron there but for a lot of people who aren't eating a lot of food that iron intake is going to be relatively low um and as we know in that in an omnivorous diet red meat's such an easy way to get that iron mm. so as soon as you exclude that now we're on the lower side so mm-hmm. in the terrace seed itself i can see here we've got eight milligrams um which is basically from the RDIs I've got here is about what males need per day and then it's about half of what a female would need per day and then they can obviously get the rest from their diet. Is that um, – do you have any idea or any information around how you guys went about including the the dosaging for iron in this one and, and what benefits you, you see of including that? Yeah. Um, iron is, is so interesting because I think there's a lot of sort of um, – attraction or aversion to iron i think certain nutrients get certain stigmas attached to them and iron is one of these um and we really just went down to the data here what does the data show around do vegans need iron men and women um and so a a meta-analysis of of that we i recently reviewed um again was of these 27 studies that showed that adult vegans had significantly lower iron levels um, than non-vegans. And actually, this was the, the difference between vegans and non-vegans was actually more pronounced in men. And it makes sense because you know, women are losing iron in other ways, menstruation, uh, pregnancy. Um, so the the differences between omnivores and vegans in terms of iron levels was more pronounced in men. Um, and therefore we, as a product for vegans, men and women, vegans, we decided to include it at a very moderate gentle dose. I know that the, um, RDIs in New Zealand are a little bit different than we have in the U S we're at about 40%, uh, daily recommended intake. We felt like this was a good dose to both, um, support stable, levels um, to prevent deficiency, but not too much uh, to be at risk of over overdosing sounds a little bit strong, but to, to have more than uh, right. the body really should need. 
So that's where we came at it from there. Cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so next up, we have zinc in there as well. Um, do you want to quickly cover why zinc was included um, in in the supplement? Absolutely. Um, so there's actually not that many plant foods that contain uh, high amounts of zinc. Um, and it's also not that absorbable um, in a lot of plant foods due to um, a phytate or it's an inhibitor of zinc. Um, and, you know, there's a number of studies that have shown that vegans have less zinc avail- um, less zinc than, than non-vegans. And so we decided to include it for that reason. Again, um, you know, zinc is super important. We're hearing a lot about zinc the past year and a half. Uh, zinc is, zinc is everywhere and it's super important for the immune system, for your metabolic function. Um, and, um, our zinc is, um, so I guess based off some studies, they've shown that vegans are encouraged to aim for about 1.5 times the recommended daily value. Um, so that's where our dosage came in, um, at about, you know, 66% trying to get, even if you get, you know, enough from food, there's that phytate that might get in the way of actually, um, promoting the the bioavailability of that zinc. So we want to keep you above maybe the threshold so that you can really absorb all that zinc and get all you need as a, as a vegan. Yeah, cool. And again, it's like, it's like some of those other ones, like iodine and and iron and and the term in the sense that, yeah, we, we can get these vitamins from our food, but at the same time, there, there is a limited absorption of some of them specifically zinc and we would have to, you know, consume a lot of food. And for some people, especially lower body weight people that aren't consuming huge amount of calories, then having that higher intake is going to be harder to get. So again, coming back to the the whole idea of a safety net there. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, when, when people's experience of eating, people are eating for so many reasons. I mean, people are eating for pleasure. People are eating to relax. People aren't eating to think about their nutrients all day long. I think <laughs> yeah. for me personally, I don't, I don't think like that. I don't think, okay, I'm eating to get the nutrients I need. I'm eating to nourish myself, but not necessarily be concerned mm. with like the individual nutrient content of the food I'm eating. Mm. I don't know if you, you resonate yeah. with that. I know you're, you know, totally. you're in this, in this world and all about helping people craft nutrition plans. I'm not sure even if you feel that way or not. Yeah, I guess I guess for me and my perspective, it's it's I I get I get very um, tired of the like the over scientific approach to nutrition for a lot of people, and I think it's just too much of a deep dive for the majority of people who are looking to reduce animal products in their diet. And when they go in and see someone's profile all about, oh, here's how you optimize absorption of this and that. And it's like, cool, these are all great things to know, but how many people are actually implementing this? So mm-hmm. for me, it's all about simplifying the journey for for people. And I like to try and when someone is choosing a meal is find this intersection between like you were saying, what actually fit hits the spot in terms of taste? Like what do I actually enjoy yeah, eating and want to eat? Exactly. That's like the first sort of point that we're trying to hit. The second one is, yeah, what is going to leave me feeling good and digest well and just nourish my body, right? And also then the third sort of point there is what is going to provide me the nutrients that I want. And that 
I want that to be a focus for people. But I don't want it to completely dictate what they eat. Like there is still the yeah. element of the social aspect of eating and eating for enjoyment, but still keeping, yeah. you know, those three points in mind of like, what is going to be, you know, um, feel good in my body, what's going to taste great, but what is yeah. going to hit my nutrient intake. So I don't think it's like, it shouldn't either be one or the other. It should be an intersection of these. Um, mm-hmm. But again, mm-hmm. it's about trying to simplify that process for people. So mm. again, the less, the less thought, you know, a lot of people have to put into it. Right. The easier this whole diet is going to be and the yeah. downstream effects on that, are, like you're mentioning, is going to be a reduction in animal harm and a reduction in environmental yeah. consequences and and so it's just yeah. going to be as more and more people you know move towards this way of living, it's just going to be a a really nice natural progression. Especially if someone's transitioning into a plant based diet, it's like hey, cool, here's tear seed sorted. Like yep. yeah, yeah. So. And I think the ways that we can make you know what you're saying really is like how can we first putting first and foremost taste. This lifestyle has to be enjoyable. If mm. it's not enjoyable, then no one's going to want to do it. Um, right. And you know that's where beyond burger and and all these you know tasty plant-based foods they might not be the best for you but they're at least making this diet enjoyable or this lifestyle enjoyable and attractive and interesting for people um and then you know what's not enjoyable is feeling obsessed about every single nutrient that you're trying to get in your diet that's 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 a big turnoff for a lot of people if that sort that that activity of eating where it's a source of joy for a lot of people, fun of creativity, even becomes Mm. a place of stress of anxiety, you know, nutrition can feel really complicated, like you're saying, and and can be a big source of stress and can turn people off from this lifestyle. I agree. So just covering off those last two. So the last two of the nine here, we have folate and we have magnesium um, folate was an interesting one for me to see in there as well because I know that you know folate is one of those ones that we recommend for um, anyone looking to begin uh, trying to conceive and, and and all throughout pregnancy as well. Um, is this something you also have in there as a recommendation just for the general population? That's right. Yeah, we we included folate. Um, folate is actually the only nutrient that we have on this list that's actually. Um, found in similar concentrations in vegans and omnivores. Um, actually, vegans have slightly higher folate uh, concentrations than, than omnivores. But we included folate here um, because of it's, it plays an important role for all humans. Uh, we use a methylated form of, of the folate. A lot of people, 40% of the, the, the population, um, cannot absorb folic acid. And so we've included this methylated form of folate uh, for a lot of the population who can't process uh, folic acid, which is commonly found in, in fortified foods, um, is, is a, a, a often a, a big way people are getting their folate intake is through this fortified folic acid. Um, and, you know, Folate is also interesting because studies have shown that actually folate uh, is potent in certain um, vegetables, fresh fruits, legumes, but um, the potency degrades in food pre- food preparation. And folate, uh, our our formulator is 
her background is, is actually in nutrigenomics. And so the interaction between nutrition and genes and B12 and folate right. work in harmony for DNA synthesis um, and expression, um, proper expression of genes. And so we included it for the, those reasons, not necessarily because vegans so desperately need it, but because just people need it. Mm-hmm. And the last one we have there is magnesium, which was another one that I was interested to see in there as as um, you know a nutrient of focus for vegans. Um, was a specific reason that we that you guys included magnesium? Yeah, magnesium we included a very low dose, as you can see. Um, mm-hmm. We included magnesium as it's often uh, this mineral is used as an absorption aid. Um, in low doses for other nutrients like vitamin D, zinc. Um, so this magnesium works in harmony with other nutrients um, to facilitate absorption, to facilitate energy creation. And, and that's why we include it in there, not for ma- the benefits of magnesium on its own, but actually in combination with other parts of the formulation. Great. Great. So that, I mean, I guess for, for the listeners, that's a really good rundown of these key nine ingredients of the supplement and, you know, many of which are sort of the key nutrients we'd be looking at in somebody's diet when we're looking to adjust or um, implement some kind of change. So, and all dosages, you know, dosages cover your basis really well. So it's, it's a really well formulated um, supplement here. And Thank what you. was the name of your... Um, uh, formulator for the supplement? Her name is Dr. Jen Myers. Cool. Cool. So if people want to go mm-hmm. and, and check out her as well, definitely check yeah. out Dr. Jen Myers and, and see yeah. what she's all about. And obviously you can yeah. dive a little further into some of those details also. Um, Absolutely. But I did want to cover with you while we're here is the packaging side of things as well, which is, as we discussed earlier, super unique, um, really exciting to see more of, uh, companies moving towards a sustainable solution for packaging and something that you know you can purchase without you know having that kind of that guilt of oh I really want this product but it's got plastic you know what do I do do I buy it yep. do I not um, so can you run us through you know how the packaging came about and how you kind of s- sourced this as a solution for um, a, a zero waste product? Yeah, it's been um, a almost a year and a half in the making uh, to create this this pill bottle. It actually took us longer than the formulation and the creation yeah. of the of the pills. And in all honesty, and I and I, I've always said that is you know we could have come out with a product in like four months if yep. we weren't so obsessed with solving this sustainability problem in this industry the the supplement industry generates 2.4 billion plastic pill bottles of waste from the u.s just the u.s supplement industry uh wow. that's that's yeah, a lot of that's supplement insane. bottles i mean this is a huge growing industry especially this year i mean supplements are up 36 percent um and so we have been just laser focused on creating this fully compostable solution that's both durable um as well as sustainable and compostable. And so we've created a number of different security features on the bottle. We have this this, um, shrink wrap, uh, which serves as sort of a child-proof seal that's made of corn. It actually looks like plastic, but it's actually made of corn. 
which is pretty yep. neat. Um, we have several other tamper-proof um, seals. If you open the bottle, um, we have our supplement facts label here, which is made of which is made of wood. Um, we have our bottle made of cellulose. Uh -huh. um, we have the security lid also made of cellulose. We have a desiccant made of clay. Um, we have all of our, our uh, mailers are, are made of um, craft paper. Our glue is even compostable. Uh, everything we've used is compostable and it, it really hasn't been easy uh, to, to assemble this all together and, and come up with this innovation. And, you know, mm. it's very durable. You can pour water into this thing and it will, it will wow. <laughs> hold. Um, you know, we have seen really good shelf lives, really stable. Um, and we, and we took a bit of a risk here. You know, we took a bit of a risk in, in attempting something as a small company that no companies have done yet. And we've been seeing a lot of interest, um, both from the market is responding really well as, as well as our customers. Um, yeah. you know, feeling like they don't have to sacrifice their health for that, for the health of the planet anymore in terms of getting their supplements. Mm. Gotcha. And it's been really great to, to bring this forward. Is it something that has also played a role in how you price Tiracy? Because I'm assuming a packaging solution like that would be very expensive to create in, in the sense that not many people are doing it. So it's... Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's certainly more expensive. Um, plastic pill bottles are what, 10 cents? And so, yeah, that is a factor in our pricing. We've done some interesting research um, related to would how much more consumers willing to pay uh, for compostable packaging solutions versus the same product in plastic. And, and consumers indeed are willing to pay more. I know I am. If I see two products, it's the same product. And of course, this is coming from a place of privilege and I have the resources to do this. But if there's two products, one's compostable, one's plastic, I I go with the compostable one always. I don't know about you, but mm. um, that, that's a, that's consume packaging Sustainable packaging is emerging as a, a key factor in consumers' decision-making process, much more so than five years ago. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's also one to be careful of for the listeners as well because it's so easy for companies to use a greenwashing tactic where they place a compostable word or image um, on a product or, or a sustainable label or something like this where in an actual fact that the, the the bottle is no different or it's, it's not going to really, um, you know, break down in, in any sense. And so with Tiracid in terms of, I, I guess there's probably a, a lot of confusion and I haven't looked into a huge detail myself in terms of like, what does compostable actually mean? And what is it like when someone does take a Tiracid pill bottle and they finish their intake, what are they going to do with that bottle? Yeah. So the end of life is really interesting. Um, and the detail we're actually undergoing uh, compostability studies right now. Um, we recommend that our bottles are get industrially composted though. Um, this bottle can be pump composted, uh, but you just need to kind of break it up into smaller pieces. Industrial composting is a, is a better solution, uh, for, um, you know, our plastic, or plastic looking wrap made of corn 
And what's great about this is even if you don't have access to composting, which, you know, I came from Boulder, Colorado, composting is municipal. In many places, they don't have composting. The good part about this is it's, it's also recyclable. And so if you don't have composting, right. at least you're not throwing most 90% of plastic is not recyclable. Even if you throw it in the recycle bin, it's a, basically a myth paper on the other hand is. And so that's yeah. a good sort of dual um, benefit of this packaging is yeah. If you don't have composting, if it's not accessible in your area, that's okay. You can still recycle this. Um, but yeah, so we think our bottles are about three three months in home composting environments to degrade if you cut them up. What's that like in New Zealand? I'm curious just around around composting. Is that a is that a thing people do? It I mean it's it's a it's it's a topic that um is of you know it's a it's a conversation that's happening on a regular basis. At the same time, I'm not aware of what we have in terms of facilities for industrial composting um, in terms of some of these products where you buy them and it says compost, like a coffee cup and it says compostable on the top or the bottom. You're like, cool, it's no, I don't need my keep cup anymore because I'm using this compostable one. But then you throw it in the bin and it's like, well, is that going, is that going to yeah. be, is that going to break down any different than a normal right. um, coffee cup? Does it need to, do you personally need to take this to an industrial facility? And so I'm definitely not aware of, the details on this and i know there's probably listeners kind of screaming at me right now through the earphones going no this is what it is but um it's something i need to look more into and see okay what are the industrial um facilities that we do have and how do we utilize those for these compostable products because i think it is a bit of a um, confusing topic for a lot of people including myself as to yeah if i Absolutely. have a compostable packet that i've got from a like a a, a pokeball restaurant we what do I need to do with that bowl? Can it just go in the bin? Does it need to go in the recycling bin or do I need to take it somewhere? Absolutely. And I think like what you're pointing towards is just like our food system, we're so abstracted from our waste system. We just yeah. throw something in the bin and we don't know where it goes. You know, it's the same thing in our food. A lot of people look at a cauliflower and they're like, where is that from? You yeah. know, our waste <laughs> is our, our waste is the same, is the same way. We really, and I'm learning too. That's the truth mm -hmm. is yeah. when you're making, and, and this is something that I talk about a lot with my team is, you know, when we're, when you're innovating, especially in sustainability, the world isn't built to be sustainable. The world is built for plastic. The world is built for meat eaters. The world isn't built for vegans or for sustainable companies. And so we can't let perfect be the enemy of good on the path towards moving mm. forward and continuing to innovate and continuing to learn because there's so much we have to learn and we're not perfect yet and we have ways to go, but I feel like we're at least on the track of being open to learning, to improving, to becoming more sustainable and truly sustainable, not just what looks good to a consumer, or, you know, what's, what's the, the trend buzzword to use. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to jump in and let you know that unfortunately, we lost the remainder of the recording from my side. So we've got a few of the snippets from Hava um, finishing up the episode. And one of the topics I did bring up with her was asking her about uh, one of the promotions they have on their website where they state that they will allow 
people to basically pay what they can for Tiracy. So they want people to get a hold of this product uh, regardless of their socioeconomic status. So I asked her about this and here's what she had to say. Write us. Write us at hello at terracy.com. We will work with you. Um, we hear from a lot of people and we work with every individual on a case-by-case basis. Um, it's one of the best things we've done, honestly, is, is putting that putting that little thing at the bottom because we get to learn from our customers' stories. We get to learn why people really want that product, why people really want this. And a lot of those people are our biggest advocates, you know, and it's the least we can do. I mean, if we're helping this planet go more vegan, then let's give out these pills to as many people who want them. Um, and, you know, what I really want to do one day, and this is a crazy idea, but is a pay what you want, uh, at least test that out. You know, I, I, I know it's a little radical, but I, I'd be curious to see if we could survive as a business, if people were able to pay what they want, what they could afford. And lastly here, team, I asked Hava a quick question on her thoughts of the veganism movement uh, and its popularity worldwide, its positives and its negatives. Here she is. First off, it's great to be talking to a vegan in New Zealand. Um, and I think it's so amazing how this movement is just all over and it kind of knits us together. Uh, I feel always bonded with vegans because uh, we're kind of living this sort of fringe life that's different than the mainstream. And um, I think that's that's something that's super, super positive is, you know, the the there's so much innovation happening in every direction with this industry. I mean, this industry is exploding. I think you talk to most conscious people and they're either wanting to be more plant-based or they are plant-based or they're vegan. Um, and, and I think people, the tide is just moving in this direction. I think the negative thing is what exactly we talked about is lack of compassion and feeling like you need to be held to this perfect standard of being a vegan. As I shared, call yourself a vegan, go for it. Who cares? You eat sushi once a month or twice a week. I'd rather people call themselves vegan. And so there's a perception of that. There's a lot of vegans. This isn't a fringe thing anymore. This is mainstream. And I think we need to be less judgmental and, and more liberal with using that word. And maybe that's a hot take. Maybe it's not, but <laughs> that's my opinion. So there we have it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Apologies again for the uh, technical difficulties there, um, as is the case when I am recording these online and not in person sometimes they don't always go to plan but i hope you really enjoyed that conversation i hope you took something away from it um, maybe just the fact that hey look if you are stressed and worried and conscious of your diet and it's maybe inadequacies and you know you're thinking hey is this thing for me can i sustain this because maybe i'm not feeling great or maybe my levels of certain nutrients are low then don't fret there are products like terracy that you can use as a safety net, as a backup to cover your bases and to keep living this lifestyle sustainably. I will put across really quickly the caveat that you can get the majority of your nutrients through a whole food plant-based diet that is adequate in total calories and adequate in diversity. However, that is not always possible for everybody. 
As we know, there are certain people that live in disadvantaged areas in the world. They might not have access to adequate nutrition and a product like TerraSeed or others may be essential for them to use if they want to continue living this lifestyle. So even if you decide to go ahead and take the complete multivitamin for vegans, it is not to say that your diet falls by the wayside and that you can you know, go out there and just consume whatever you like, whenever you like. We still want to pay attention to smart eating, basically like I term sometimes, not eating like a child, you know, actually choosing things based on not just their, uh, their flavor profile or their enjoyment, but actually choosing things also based on their nutrient density and how they're going to leave you feeling afterwards. So use TerraSeed is exactly what it is, a supplement, something to add in to an already smart and well-planned diet and that's going to cover the most of your bases. And then as we know, there are certain essentials that we should be adding in, for example, B12, vitamin D, potentially EPA and DHA, which you're going to get a massive dose of in this supplement. So it seems pretty obvious to me. It's an easy, just take two tabs a day and you're good to go. So all that being said, if you want to jump on board and grab TerraSeed for yourself, there is a link in the description of this episode where you will find a discount for yourself. So using the discount code below, follow that link. And if you do go through that link, just a quick disclaimer, I will get a commission off that. So if you want to support the show financially, that is a great way to do it is that you get a kickback, I get a kickback, and we all benefit from this because, uh, you know, if you didn't know, these these episodes do cost to produce. So a little bit uh, from the commission of that will always go a long way for supporting the show. Right, that is it. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Go lift up, go eat up, and as always, more plants. More plants.